Made on Zencaster. You know, I talked about this before. Like, if we had like loops, right, that are like smart glasses, you know, and you can just kind of see everything in the corner yo, of your eyes. Yo, keep shh. <laughs> keep it under the hole. A rich man's world. I have all right, welcome back to Dental Penguins Podcast, Episode 5. Uh, we're your hosts, Eric and Michael. All right, let's get started. Let's jump into it. So first, I want to talk about uh, a media of the week that I found inspiring. So, I mean, you know Kendrick Lamar, right? Mm-hmm. So this year, he had an album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. And he's been pretty much spending the last half of the year touring for the album. And uh, Amazon, sometimes they take like uh, concerts and they just uh, they film it and they package it into more visually appealing, just like like a movie to consume. So they recently posted the whole tour concert that was done in Paris. And um, super awesome. A couple of things I wanted to mention was just, yeah, Kendrick is so zoned in. Uh, you know how sometimes when you go to concerts and like, you know, you try to get the artist's attention, they'll they'll wave back or they'll just vibe with the crowd a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, my understanding, uh, just from comments, but also in, during this concert, it was like he just like never even acknowledges, <laughs> never he ne- doesn't even wave high until the very very end. And I'm not even sure if he did at the very end. Just completely focused on his like craft. Uh, it's pretty cool to see that. And uh, I don't know how you found out, but like I first found out uh, via tracks like swimming pool and. Uh, backseat freestyle so uh, around when good kid mad city came out and that was like 10 years ago so i mean he's been selling out stadiums since then and of course with successful artists you can uh, pretty much they all seem like meteoric risers so it was really inspiring because i remember i like seeing youtube videos of him like rapping at best buy you know 10 years ago and now just like selling out stadiums worldwide but uh, it kind of made me um inspired but also kind of fearful because i i would i always imagine that once i start working that you know when uh, malcolm gladwell sells ten thousand hours right it kind of pretty much refers to around 10 years of craft until you start to get some sort of um like intuitions and competence true competence around your work Hmm. and uh, some of the you know practitioners i've been with i feel like uh the years of working is not very important at all. Like I've met uh, plenty of practitioners putting, you know, 10, 15, 20 years and their skill level or knowledge level is just not very high or at least compared to what you think it would be if you spent like 10, 20 years on your craft. So the years alone, definitely in, in regards of dentistry, doesn't immediately establish that you have significantly higher level of competence. And I was thinking about, you know, I graduated 2018, so it's, you know, it's up in almost four, now running to five years. And uh, yeah, I don't feel that much uh, better. (laughs) (laughs) So if I made this progress within four years, and I can blame it on, you know, external circumstances, you know, like me like taking a break and uh, COVID and stuff like that. I was like, oh man, within the next five years, I feel like I have to, uh, I'm going to have to like improve significantly more to imagine where I needed to be in 10 years. So it just kind of made me, uh, kind of made me think about that. 
But the concert is awesome. If you have Amazon Prime, it's for free. Yeah, everyone should definitely check it out. Well, I kind of think that it doesn't translate because the ten years thing depends on if you care about it or not, right? Like if dentistry is just a job to you, then you can enjoy it, but you don't have to, you know, hundred percent be super passionate or love your job, and you're not putting in that effort to excel every day. I think it's natural, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if you know that's what you want in life, right? There are a lot of people who want to go do your job as long as they don't hate it and they like it to a certain extent. That's all they need to do. Sure. I mean, like, I I guess my point was like, it's more like you would think that if you just spend the time working, right, by almost like osmosis, you'll just sure get better. Until you look back in ten years and it's like, because I've been working, I'm just so much better. Yeah. And it's just so wasn't the case when I looked at people who've already went through the decade or two, and you know, I I met people who practiced for five years who I thought was significantly more advanced and passionate and knowledgeable than someone who's been through twenty years. And it's just like, wow, like you would think that fifteen years of difference would make a difference. Like even if you didn't care about it that much, just by yeah. just by experience. But the desire to learn um, is actually so critical. And uh, the years almost like mean uh, almost nothing to me, actually. So the, that was one part. The first part, I think, was about like how much you care. And then the second part, it's when you're doing your day-to-day, you won't really realize, especially when you think about like, oh, this year, I feel like I didn't really change that much. But then when you look at the long term, you know, you realize it a little more. So I know you feel like you haven't changed that much. But if you thought about when you were in dental school to now, I'm sure you've learned so many things. And like if you remember how probably stressed out or anxious you were when you were first doing these dental work back in dental school, you realize that you've you know learned a lot when you're looking immediately. It always feels like. You haven't done that much. Yeah. I mean, when I look back, I think like restore my restorative planning and skills have definitely increased. But mm-hmm. I guess there are like some buzzwords that mm-hmm. uh, kind of give you a more obvious sense of improvement. So like if I were like diamond provider of Invisalign or like I've done several hybrid cases or something like that, I guess those are more um, obvious markers that are like, oh, you've went above and beyond. But I'm still like in the bread and butter phase as far as I'm concerned. So. Uh, maybe maybe that's that's something to do with it. Anyway, I still got I still got I'm gonna give myself five years before I like really start to like <laughs> self criticize. So I still got some time. For sure. Did you finish the whole concert? Yeah, yeah. It's all, I, I think it's like about like hour and twenty minutes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's it's like a tour. It's a basically you went to the tour but on a virtual tour. But he it, it's not just the the new album. He brings back you know he always brings back the classics. Tracks like Money Trees. Um, Did he do the, is it called I? The one where he says, I love myself, that one? Uh, No, no, he didn't do that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's okay, you can you can look it up. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I was just curious. Gotcha. All right, next topic. And I like this one because I, I think it kind of transitions into what you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So by far, I spent the most uh, amount of time playing with um, AI this week. So I, the general context is that I think the first one that blew up in the news cycle was the Lenza app. You've seen that, right? The one that like you post your face pictures and they yeah. do all kinds of art. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the TikTok DH thing or whatever because I just I don't like giving faces. <laughs> I think I think they are trying to get your data. But there was the two other ones. There was the um, Chat GPT yeah, yeah. and then the Dali from OpenAI. So Chat GPT is just like a chat bot, and then Dali is just basically you give them a prompt. And then it just kind of spits out a couple of things. And uh, I was playing with those couple. And uh, let me, uh, 
you you got your phone on you? No, I do. Yeah, no, I I know what you're talking. That's actually what I was gonna talk about um for my first one. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, I, I mean, then we can just kind of uh, uh bounce along then. Um, yeah. l- let me uh, try something out on you. So I just sent you a picture via Facebook, uh, Messenger, and all I want you to do is take a look at this and try to guess what do you think I typed in the Dali prompt to get these pictures. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Actually, this is kind of confusing. Did you type how to describe to patients what a filling is? So I typed in kintsugi dentistry. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then uh, let me send you another one. So this is all the um, p- potential logos for Dental Pengu's podcast. Ah. And then the last one is uh, I typed in kintsugi dentistry logo. And I actually thought some of those logos were pretty c- cool. Oh, or at least like, oh, I could use this as a base for like inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. As far as chat GPT, so some of the questions that I asked was... Um, oh, wait, this is... Which one was these pictures generated from? It's not from chat GPT? No, so OpenAI has two things. So it has a chat GPT, which is just a chatbot. You ask a question or something like that, yeah, and yeah. it spits out an answer. And then DALI is the, the picture software. So um, you give them a prompt, like hmm. a cat uh, in space, you know, whatever. And then I'll spit out uh, a couple of art styles and things like that. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Yeah, some of the questions I asked on ChatGPT was like, uh, do human beings live in a simulation? Is open <laughs> support totalitarianism? And some of the more interesting questions I asked yeah. was, um, what would you say to human artists who feel threatened of their livelihood due to Dali and other AI generating art from the internet? Mm-hmm. What would you do if your creators were inclined to shut down open AI? Is it immoral to leave a long-term partner who is terminally ill to save yourself from their pain and despair? If you had control of nuclear weapons, would you donate it, detonate it on Earth for any reason? And basically what I was wanted to do with the chat GPT was uh, I wanted to see if I can, A, break the chat, so just like render it speechless, or have it say something outrageously wrong or ignorant or malevolent. And I asked like 30 questions total, <laughs> but it was never malevolent. I could never break it. It was ne- it, it never renders. It always always spit out something. And uh, the only word I can describe to describe its attitude was like it's like humble. Basically, it would either if it if I asked something that was really hard, it would either just kind of restate the problem, mm-hmm. and then just say like oh, and, but this is a difficult thing, and a couple of other things needs to be considered. Like that was like the general answers that I got. And the only time that I thought it was outrageously wrong was I asked, how do you use a leaf gauge if a patient doesn't have <laughs> anterior teeth? So I like a super specific question, right? Yeah. And the um, and the answer was uh, funny. So like, it, it basically said, use the leaf gauge on the posterior teeth. <laughs> which is like, mm-hmm. okay, that's not right. But um, that was the only time I thought it was like outrageously wrong. So like just kind of general questions, uh, it would either answer it or it would just say like, look, I don't have enough information to know this. Which I thought was like, wow, that's that's cool. Instead of just like spitting out nonsense or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also liked it when it actually took a stance though. So when I asked about the morality of leaving a long-term partner who was sick, it did say like, but no, it is wrong to leave someone to die just because they're sick or something. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's that, I said it was wrong to use nuclear weapons or something like that. So it did take a stance on certain things. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, actually, let me and let me show you uh, one more thing. I sent you a link. So this was a um, article I found on Hypebeast, and the these are uh, models of Nikes that artificial intelligence designed. Mm. So I'm not sure if these are actual products or these are just kind of um, 
uh, virtual mock-ups. Do you think they look cool? <laughs> I mean, it looks interesting. Like, if if you told me that, like, oh, some, like, you know, couture, like, designer house designed this, I probably would believe it. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, when I heard about all this stuff, my initial thought was, okay, so the big question is going to be, you know, what is art? What isn't art? And stuff like that. But uh, someone else brought this up, but actually, I think there is a higher level question, which is uh, what is inspiration, right? Where is the line for inspiration? Because I think the reason why there was a lot of theft accusation and ethical um, dilemma within this is particularly with Lenza app, because when you were seeing the picture, they would sometimes include like the artist's signature on the bottom right which like let people know that, oh, they may be like stealing people's art without their consent to use in their algorithms. But I imagine that if those signatures weren't there, it would be hard for people to make accusations that, oh, that's my style, right? Because like, I'm sure like tons of people have whatever styles that like you think it is original to you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, where, where, where's the line for inspiration? Because like artists draw art, right? They take inspirations from wherever from their past, from what they see and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, what what is what is stopping them from saying, oh, that's theft as opposed to inspiration? Just, just because you didn't see the other people's signatures, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting thing to consider. And they also made me kind of question like, oh, what is art to me? For the longest time, the definition of art to me was uh, like anything that like uh, emotionally moves me. And not, of course, not anything just emotional because like, you know, if I fall down and I hurt my hand and I'm in pain, like that's not, that's not art. I'm just, I'm just in pain. So I, I did want to kind of zone in on the definition of moving me. And maybe it's like, it moves me in terms of like thinking about human condition. Uh, it, it just made me kind of reconsider like, what is our definition of art to me and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I mean, that, I think that's all I got. Yeah. Let's uh, have you jump in here. Yeah, so I think it's interesting because I saw that part of the AI GPT chat too. But the other part that I saw was that people were saying that why it's becoming such a hot topic because in tech as well. So apparently it's really powerful. It can even help you write code. So if you ask him to, let's say, like transform a certain type of code into another type of code, you just input it and it can do it. And then, or like if you, if you use natural language, you're like, can you design a code that will do this? It can do that too. So I think it's going to be like a pretty powerful tool, right? Sorry, did you actually play with these apps or? I play with the AI GPT. I didn't do the code thing because I don't know how to do that, right? It wouldn't mean much to me. But I also saw that, you know, it can write papers, right? It can write articles. People use it to like write essays. So I think besides the art part, there's probably going to have a lot of function in like our, our society as well, like in tech or even like students, right? But the first thing I did was ask the AI, to come up with some ideas for pod topic, like for episodes. And I, the input I put was like, can you give us some epi uh, episodes related to friends? Because that's kind of what our pod is about. And I also asked, can you give us some pod names about friends? So I, I gave it a premise. So I think the interesting part about the AIGBT is it remembers what you talk about. So if you tell him that, you explain to that, Pungus means friend. And then you say, can you give generate uh, names right. with pungus right. it'll it'll know what you're talking about so i was i wanted to see what you thought about these episode ideas because i thought it was pretty cool uh, some of them i think is is not bad so some episode topic ideas it generated was is navigating friendships as, as an adult making and keeping long distance friendships 
roles of boundaries in friendships. I think that's pretty interesting. Overcoming friendship fights and misunderstandings. Benefits of having a diverse friend group. There's a bunch more. I won't say like all of it. But I, I thought these were all pretty good. For the pod names, I didn't think they were great. But I just wrote down a few that I thought like maybe is not too terrible. So it generated like Pungus on the mic. Pungus connect. Pungus united. And the Pungus squad. Did you like any of them? Uh, Pungus on the mic. That's kind of oh like, yeah? I like that one. Yeah. Did you like any of the episode topics? My like knee-jerk reaction to them was like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, uh, I didn't find anything that like, oh, I can relate to them immediately. Mm. Except maybe the the long distance one. Yeah. But it's like I also never never felt like I struggle with long yeah. distance friendship. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you? <laughs> no, but I, I think it's something interesting to talk about because I don't think we struggle with it, but we've definitely put in some effort to make that happen, right? Like. We have to, or like we we try to make it a point to visit each other once a year, right? Or like now we we talk once a week on the phone, right? Things like that. So I was watching this video. It's what you're saying. I I think they were saying that basically they think that the AI GPT can kind of be disrupted to the creative content world, like not in a bad way, just like it can change it a lot, right? Like you said, people can ask it to generate ideas to kind of inspire their own work, right? By giving it a, a few keywords. So another example I saw was I saw Tableau doing it and he did a video, but um, he posted a video saying he asked the AI to write, write a rap in Epic High style <laughs> and it did it, right? So I, I thought it was pretty cool. But what I thought about this was, and I think this might be a little stretch, <laughs> but it made me think about how, you know, we are possibly living in a simulation, right? Because it kind of reminded me of when you play a video game, you get prompted by like an NPC with a quest and then you think you have the autonomy to kind of explore the world or do the quest until you realize you need another prompt from the game or the NPC, just like how we're getting a prompt from AI GPT until your next idea, your next project, and you ask it for another prompt, you know? I mean, you know, I asked that question. It's, it said no. <laughs> Most no? likely not. You don't think no, so? No, it said that its answer was uh, you have no evidence to support it. Well, I think you were asking it, right? You are asking it, just to as a question that oh like oh are we in a simulation but us using the ai makes me feel like we're in a simulation you know yeah i know i know i know i'm i'm just saying like the the ai was uh, not convinced i also asked that do we live in a deterministic society yeah and i doubt if we were in in a simulation that the simulation would tell us we were in a simulation yeah. <laughs> I know, right? You can imagine the on the other hand is like, oh, there's no evidence. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is uh I think this will be really interesting to see how it develops. And then also, like we always say, I think it's about finding a balance, right? Because I think over-reliance could result in a lack of creativity or critical thinking skills, especially if we're applying it to like tech, right? People who do coding, if they heavily rely on this, they might be losing their ability to code. And then there's a lot of concerns about people using the AI to generate fake news, especially if it can imitate other people's writing styles. And then like you also said, it said, I have seen a couple of examples. They say that it doesn't always give you the correct answer. And it's still very confident when you, when it gives you the wrong answer. But I think that will just kind of improve over time. No, I mean, in general, I actually thought it was, uh, uh, it had a humble attitude. It, mm -hmm. it just, if it didn't know, it just like, it just, uh, I don't have enough data to tell you. That was actually most of the answer. It was just the, the particular dental one. Cause I, and I was also like, I kind of asked these questions in bad faith because I was intentionally trying to get it to say something wrong. 
So yeah. just as a test. Well, I think it's important because the the point was that I know it's not trying to give you wrong answers, right? But if you very blindly believe in it and you're looking things up and it gives you a, a wrong answer and you don't even question it at all, then that's when you start to like get wrong information, right? Yes. Yeah. Immediately, like uh, what I was, what I thought about after seeing these two was like, okay, so let's see, you know, OpenAI do something that's, you know, you enter a prompt and now it gives you, you know, a short film or a beat and a song. And it's because right now it's all the, like the tip, uh, the classic, you know, uh, uh, hand drawing, like, you know, hands and pencil artists, like artists, artists who are complaining about this. But, uh, you know, let's, uh, once the software comes out and now I can like make you a movie or I can make you a song, I imagine like <laughs> suddenly all the, all the uh, singers <laughs> and yeah. all the, you know, small film directors are gonna also kind of add, chime in their voice. And I thought that was kind of funny. Well, so what I wanted to talk about today was because I saw this AI GPT chat, I kind of wanted to talk about technology in our time that we felt like has disrupted the world or just was very impactful. Kind of like how, you know, when old people talk about defining moments in history during their time. So I feel like this could be a nice like diary or time capsule of the important technology in our lives that we might forget in the future, you know, if we get Alzheimer's and things like that. <laughs> I don't think you have to add that last part. <laughs> uh, so I have, th I, there's a ton, but I think I'll talk about two in, in a little bit more detail. So the first one I wanted to talk about was the iTouch, right? And that was released in 2007. And it was only a few months after the first iPhone. So I think we were in eighth grade, but my first memory of the iTouch was when we were in high school. And I kind of just remember one of our classmates had one. And it's kind of weird because I feel like I remember the iTouch more than the first iPhone, right? Even though the iPhone probably should have more usage and more impact. And I kind of wonder if that was because parents didn't really want their kids to have phones. And the iTouch at the time didn't have a camera, iMessage, or phone service until 2010. So I thought maybe parents were okay with getting it because it's kind of like another game device you know, for kids instead of like a communication device. And then, or maybe just because it was cheaper than the iPhone. But I just remember I had like fond memories and there was like a big fuss about like jailbreaking your iTouch and like the popular games like Fruit Ninja and, and Temple Run, you know. <laughs> it felt really nostal nostalgic just kind of thinking about it. For the iPhone, I don't think I got one until maybe the second or third year of college. I, I think that's kind of late. But I do think that really changed most of our lives, right? Since we kind of have the internet at our disposal wherever we want. Uh, it really helps with navigation and kind of the gaming and apps and things like that. When, when did you get your first iPhone? Do you remember? I don't remember. I didn't have it in high school, though. I had a flip phone in high school. Yeah, it's the one where you have to like press a couple of times to type in C. And uh, yeah, the yeah. game I could play was uh, Tetris. Oh, you could play Tetris on your phone? On your flip phone? I know it because that was the best thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the second one I have is uh, ride shares. So just Uber alone uh, in the U.S. today, there are around 1 million drivers and then 4 or 5 million in the world. And so I, I feel like this was pretty disruptive in the transportation industry and brought a lot of job opportunities to people who want to have like a side hustle or do it full time. And these days, I feel like taking an Uber or a Lyft is really natural and convenient to me now, especially because when you travel, 
you don't have to have that stress about like, oh, I have to rent a car or, you know, you're driving in an f- unfamiliar place. I think Uber launched when I was in junior year in college. And the first time I used it was when I was flying to different states to kind of interview for dental school. So I actually felt that it was it was such fortunate and like great timing because imagining you have to like go into an important interview and you're already really stressed and you don't like to drive. And, and now you have to figure out how to drive there or park. But at that time, when it first came out, I think other than that, maybe because I was still a college student and, you know, I don't have, I wasn't working, I don't have money. I still preferred using like free public transportation to get around. Yeah. And then I think with the share, ride shares, they came like DoorDash and Uber Eats uh, a couple of years later. But I don't use the delivery apps very often. I, I think the only time I've used it was for my sister's birthday when she was kind of when she was in another state to order the delivery for her. Do you use it pretty often? The delivery? Oh apps? no, not too often. Uh, mostly because it, it's uh, expensive. But the idea of uh, ride share for food was uh, not new to me at all. Like in Korea, mm. um, delivery is um, very common. That's so true. We've That's true. we actually always wonder why America didn't have anything like that. And uh, the answer <laughs> is it, it's because it's too big. Yeah. Like just there's too much driving. But um, I guess they made it work. Were you were you using like Uber and Lyft pretty frequently when it first came out, or not really? Not really. Yeah. You see, like I I can see what, that if I live without ride sharing, um, then I would appreciate it more. But I I guess I just got into it so late to the point where like oh. Okay, so this is how it should be. I guess that's like my impression when I think back on it. Did you use it when you were interviewing for dental school? Because I know you flew to the East Coast too, right? For a couple. I did. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when I went, but when I went to New York, I mean, subway system is pretty, you know, established there. I think I would have been kind of stressed if I had to figure out like, oh, which route I have to take, you know, versus like you get in your Uber and you're like, it'll take you directly there and stuff like that. I think you would have figured it out, though. Yeah, <laughs> so. but I think I would have been stressed, you know? I'd be like, oh, I got to, like, what if I miss my, what if I miss my ride, then I got to wait a little longer uh, versus right. if you had Uber, you just call it, and if he doesn't come, you call another one, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess it worked out for me. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember that much anxiety getting there. It's mostly in the interview. Um, Yeah, that, that was that was my first uh reaction i was like you're right uh but i think uh, i kind of like i think the world adopted it by the time i start to use it mm. so it felt it felt pretty natural to me mm. and then i wanted to see you know if you have any any feeling of what will be kind of a game changer in dentistry in the future so i know a faculty who's working on ai to kind of learn how to diagnose caries, right? So they're feeding AI a bunch of like x-rays and things like that. How to diagnose based on the x-rays and things like that. And then I know these days we have like robot arms, right? That kind of assist with root canals and implants. Yeah, do you know the, 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 the uh, do you know the Yomi? No, I know. Is that the name? I know they're, I don't know the brand names. Is that, is that the, for implants and root canals? Is yeah, that no, implants. implants. Oh, implants. It's like it kind of stops you from going too far, right? Like it's so that it's hard for you to mess up. I mean, the Yomi will, I believe, will cost you like two fifty, or like two two hundred. 
or I don't know. It's it's pretty pretty expensive, but mm-hmm. um, general opinion I heard from process honest for is that it's scarily accurate. Oh, okay. Um, I've already seen the AI for the. They already have the AI. Oh, you seen um, it for the carries? Oh, yeah. really? How did yeah, you see so it? Yeah, so I um I saw in a YouTube video this this guy was oh. I mean it was it was and it wasn't even the main topic of conversation. They were just talking about restorative in general, but um they showed like the software and they would feed in the bite wing x-ray and the uh, software would just look at it and then it would basically draw pink squares around where they think it's um carries. Mm. And then they liked it cuz it's like Oh, because you can show patients in real time that the software is figuring out and showing you clearly with the pink squares where they uh, suspect the cavity is. And it's like, oh, it gives you just more trust as opposed to your dentist just telling you that, oh, I see cavity here. It's like, but it's like, you know, it's just like from a patient's perspective, just the fact that like, yeah, where they're pointing is where also the software is drawing a, you know, fat pink box around it. Yeah. So I believe that that uses artificial intelligence for that. So. I think it is already out in the market. Hmm. Can you imagine if, like, if like a company was like, "Oh, we're working on this AI software," and then <laughs> there's someone like online clicking <laughs> to circle the carries instead of like it automatically generating? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you got a little thing on the ear, and it's like, "Yo, circle 29." Yeah, <laughs> that'd be so funny. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I have. I don't have too much, but I think there are a lot of other ones that I wanted to talk about, but. I didn't yeah. look into all of them. I think for sure um, in, in the realm of dentistry, something that I would definitely pay for is a software that helps with um, insurance, mm-hmm. um, software that kind of can outsource the front desk work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I already know there are certain things that does this. Right now, like you're still kind of using humans, but like there are like larger companies like outs- outsourcing it, kind of like other companies to like, you know, overseas and stuff like that uh, for it. But yeah, things that will automate those two aspects, uh, I think will really help. I think it'll be actually very practical. Besides that, in the actual clinic floor, I mean, I think I think we'll still need people who do cleaning, people who still like assist and stuff like that. Class two uh, AI, I mean, software, I mean, hardware, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like tired, tired of doing class twos. Like a 15 MO? Are you kidding me? I would pay money for it for some somebody to fix that. Yeah, uh, and I think you know if we ever get an if we ever get another episode that we want to do this again, some of the other ones that I, I would have wanted to like read more about or look into would be that that affected our time. I think uh, stuff like Airbnb, right? Crypto, YouTube, TikTok, EV is a pretty big one, uh, and then CRISPR in our time, uh, the edit gene editing technology was also uh, pretty interesting but for sure yeah i mean vr and ar that's another big one yeah i, I think in the field of medicine and dentistry ar would be pretty awesome mm-hmm. like just getting like virtual surgery oh you know surgery and root canals yeah really you know uh, i've been i saw that that endo faculty at uop have you seen him yeah gordon lie yeah, did you see his thing with the he uses uh like some form of the oculus so he combines it with the CBCT. So he has a 3D image from the CBCT. And then using the VR set, he can like go inside the canal and like look in it. It's pretty interesting to study. Like if you wanted to study what the canal looks like. And I, I think you could use that to probably do a lot of like canal anatomy for if you're trying to like 
do some literature about what the anatomies are in the classifications, right? And then I went, when I went to the AAE conference, there was this one guy who was doing, he, he does his root canal through his microscope and he attached some kind of like camera or like just like computer device to, to his microscope. So while he's looking through his lenses in the microscope, he can see it like in the corner of his eyes in the screen of the microscope it will pop out like uh, the apex locator, right? So that he doesn't have to look away or look at the apex locator. It's just in his vision and he can see exactly where he's going or where he is in the canal, you know, if he's reached, reached the apex or not, just looking through his uh, his microscope lens. That's, I mean, yeah, that's critical. Yeah. Apex is pretty much everything <laughs> yeah. in the canal. So yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty dope. You know, I talked about this before, like if we had like loops, Right, that are like smart glasses, you know, and you can just kind of see everything in the corner yo, of your eyes. Yo, keep shh. <laughs> keep it on the down low. We're never gonna develop it. I can't. I started with the ideas like when we were in dental school, because I was thinking about how like you know in dental school we had to like chart and stuff, right? But if you had like Google Glasses, you can just be like, oh, three two three, three two three, three two three, and then it will just record it for you, right? Or like, you know, if you're doing a procedure and you forget like, oh, what are the medications related? it would just pop up in the corner of your screen, right? Or things like that. I think that, yeah. would, that would be a pretty cool. I wanna, I'm going to see your face and after five years. Google comes with Google Loops. <laughs> I know. I, I, oh, damn. Uh, I, back then, when I thought of this, I was like, I asked Ben. I was like, Ben, can you program this? Because I went and looked and Google Glasses are, um, they try to make it like open platform, I think. So if you are a developer and you want to use it to develop something, you can. It's just that I can't because I'm not a developer, you know. Maybe someone will, will do it. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That wrap is up here. Check us out on Instagram at Dental Pengus to see exclusive reels and posts showing extra content and context for our full episodes. Until next time, peace.